Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca Mears, with my co-host, Luca Halix. I thought that we might talk, Luca, about something that I've been having some deeper awarenesses of this last week. I had something happen, and I'd be happy to share it in sort of general terms, because it's not about the specificities of it that make the story powerful. But I definitely had some... New thoughts about myself and about interactions with people in my life, and uh, I thought it might be worthwhile exploring. I'd love to go deeper with you on that. This really has to do with giving and, and taking in relationships, and sometimes we have relationships, friendships, or acquaintances, or whatever, and we we sometimes have called people users as a way of just differentiating people who are ready to engage in. Um, giving and taking within a relationship where versus ones that, that tend to be more one way. So I had a thing happen the other day where I'd reached out to an old friend, somebody I've known for decades, uh, just to check in to see how they were doing and took a long time before I heard back. But when they wrote back, they really startled me by saying that they had stopped talking with me because it had only ever proven to be a waste of time and cost them money. And it was such a shocking thing to have heard back from a friend. And I mean, there's a whole lot to unpack here because, you know, it was, it was a moment of, Oh my goodness, have I been having an impact on someone that was other than what I was aware of? Is there some of this or a lot of this that is my responsibility? And have I, viewed this person or interacted with them in a way that was not honoring of what they were bringing to the relationship or was using of what they brought to the relationship. So there was some, my heart was really hurting and my heart was heavy. And the reason I bring up this story is because of where my thoughts went over the next several hours and what I sort of wrestled with some demons that I wrestled with. And one of the things that I, that I challenged myself to think about was, you know, Rebecca, what if you also are a user? You've used that phrase to describe other people and to sometimes hold a boundary in relationships because someone was taking from you more than you felt that they should or that was appropriate and that um, you needed to withdraw from them. What if you also, Rebecca, are a user? And I had to sit with that question. I chose to sit with that question for a bit. And it was what what stood out for me the most is the shame that that question immediately brought up for me. And even, even what this message from my friend had brought up was instant shame. Whether it was merited or not, it was shame. And Once I allowed myself to observe the shame, I have a general problem with shame. (laughs) I just don't find it to be that helpful of an emotion. It just tends to fracture relationships or send us spiraling into dark places rather than actually offering 
solutions at times. So I, I observed the shame and noticed it was quite acute. And then I went to the other side of it and thought, well, okay, what if I am also a user, at least sometimes? What does it mean? What am I even saying when I say this? What are we doing when we do things that are perceived as using? And I started to think about previous relationships that I had labeled as users and view it in a different paradigm, viewing it like someone drowning. When when someone's drowning in a river or a lake and a log floats by, they don't ask the log for permission to grab on, <laughs> to jump on, to pull themselves out of water. They're drowning. They need. They, they have an instinct for survival. They grab the log. Now, the log may buck them off or it may roll. It may <laughs> reject them, you could say. But the grabbing of the log, the seeking for the thing that will help us to survive, that will help us to keep our head above water, is an instinct. It's a survival instinct. There can't be something inherently wrong or shameful in that because it's survival. And I started viewing past interactions with people through that lens and realizing that I have been that life log, (laughs) lifeboat, the log floating by, I think, sometimes, where people saw an answer to a crisis that felt dire for them and they grabbed hold of me and I didn't wasn't in a place of being able to consent to that or I felt like I was drowning when they grabbed hold of me so hard and so that is within my realm is I'm allowed to say no I'm not this has been actually something I've had to learn over the last (laughs) decade specifically that just because someone asks for something from me does not mean I must give it to them. This seems radical, right? Wow, so radical. You don't have to give it to them if if they ask you for it or they demand it. But it really did feel radical for me. I was so trained to just give and to be of service to people that it did leave me unbalanced sometimes. Anyways, this is this is the opening volley, Luca. What thoughts are coming to your mind as I share this? Well, the the first one that comes to my mind is that is is the issue of intent. Hmm. So, and you said, you know, somebody's not doesn't mean to use you. Um, it they're grabbing on. And and to some to somebody who seems willing to help and seems to have what they need at that time. And the second thing that comes up for me is around for how long. Mm. So I know that there are times when I'm ready, willing, and able to help at the time that the person asks for the help. Um, But what isn't negotiated at that time and probably can't be is how long are they going to need that help for? And my circumstances may change as much as theirs change. And it may be that what I can offer initially is not what I feel capable of continuing to offer, especially if it seems to be open-ended and we don't seem to have permission to talk about it, name it, renegotiate it, right? So if I feel that I can't name it, talk about it, or renegotiate it, that's when if I'm giving more than I have in my coffers to give, 
I'll start to feel resentful. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that we can necessarily say it has to be negotiated at the beginning, because as you said, if somebody's drowning, they're not in a position to negotiate anything. Right. But after you've got them out of the water and they've, they're over the initial shock, then it might be time to speak it out loud to, as, as I often say, make the implicit explicit. Yeah. And if that's the case, then we need a way to do what I call meta-communicating, which is, which is being able to talk not about the content, but about the process. So in other words, saying to the person, when you first needed help, I was in a great position to be able to give that to you. But I find that I am not in as great a position right now. Let's talk about what you still need. And, and of that, what do I feel comfortable providing for you? And if I don't feel comfortable at all, is that for all time? Or can we come back and talk about it again in a few months? Right. Um, and can I help you to find someone else who can help you out? Right. Yes. Yes. But but if we don't have any permission to talk, like how how do we even ask the person if it's okay to talk about that? Right. Yeah. And if we can't talk about it, then I think that's when the shame piece comes in. Mm. Because I, I have to, both sides have to be able to say, is this still okay? Or to say, um, because conversely, sometimes you've got somebody who's, who keeps on trying to help you, even though you don't need yeah, it anymore, that's right? Yeah. Which is smothering and, and not acknowledging of the fact that you're a strong person and you only needed help for a little while. Right. Yes, true. So, you know, I, some of the, the relationships in my life that I cut off and I haven't done it very many times, but I have on occasion done that, cut, cut it off. It was where I noticed that what I thought was a temporary thing turned out to be the definition of the relationship between us. Oh. And that wasn't healthy for me. Right. And but I couldn't have known that at the beginning. I and neither could the other person. It's not like they were setting out to use me, right? It's but it it starts to feel like using when you don't feel like you have permission um, or the right to say I need a break or I, I don't want to do this anymore or, and, and how do you renegotiate the relationship? Maybe you still want to be friends with that person, but you don't want to be their only source yeah. of support. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. And maybe you need to be able to say, um, I can, uh, I know that today I can only, I can only do this much. So if you want to have a, a, a really intense griping session for half an hour, I can handle that, but then we have to move on to something else. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, or you have to go and find somebody else to gripe to for the, what you need more than that. And it's, it, the language is really, I think is really essential because we've got to be careful around that language, because if I shame the person in, in asking for that, then, then I might as well be hitting them across the face with a dead fish. Right. It, yeah. It's, it's horrible for them. Yeah. Um, and I'm more likely to do that if I if I don't feel okay 
about setting my own boundaries. Right, right. It's almost like that. And sometimes it's a daily thing. Maybe I think I can normally give you lots of support, but today I can't. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like the shame piece becomes the siren when nothing else is getting through that that we need to be, have a conversation yeah. around. Telling, so how do we know to look for, yeah, where are the signals? And, and how do we know if they're signals that we're ignoring? And they may be our own signals, i.e. I'm getting impatient or I'm trying to solve your problem for you because I can't stand you having it anymore because it's become all of what every conversation I have with you is about. Right. Yeah. And how do I say that to you without shaming you? How, how like this is this is where with couples, you know, they have this like time out, time out. I can't. I you have to give me a break. I have to go off and be on my own for a little while. I'll come back when I feel like I can listen to some more of this. Right. Hmm. If you don't have those signals between you, yeah, then there's no permission. Yeah, I can remember. Um, a a way in which, uh, if, if I can, I'd love to share something that actually happened between you and I, since (laughs) we've got a very strong relationship, but there was, there was a time, um, when I was in a really bad spot and I was, I was homeless. I was not living on the streets, but I was couch surfing and you put me up sometimes another friend put me up some other times and other times children's father let me come and stay there when I was going to have time with my kids it was a really it was a tough time I was putting so much time and effort into trying to find my next home I'd had to give a place up and I couldn't afford the rent then, but I was at work building my business. But oh my God, it was just, it was fraught. Fraught is a good And, and that word. was early on in our friendship too. It we was. hadn't known one another very long at that yeah, time. Within, a, within the first year that we were together. Yeah. Or we were friends together. And you were so compassionate. You let me come and stay at your place um, here and there. And I remember a day when you... You very courageously, probably with a quiet courageousness, maybe you did not recognize you were being courageous, but I see it as so. (laughs) When you said... I did. It was really scary. It was hard. You you very gently, you know, let me know that we needed to negotiate what this looked like, that I was leaning a bit too hard on you and and that how it was impacting you. And I had been, when, when you're in that cr- much of a crisis, you don't necessarily have eyes to see how, what it is that you are leaning on, on someone else, how it's impacting them. So that was really important information for me to take in that I had not thought of. I had not perceived that of course I did value because I valued you, but it was hard. It was really hard because I was still in need. Right. And so then it was it, it there was also this sense of I've now lost some of what was making me keep my head above water, but I I'm not going to push for it to be otherwise because I recognize that it's too much for you to carry. But now I'm left with less and I don't know what to do. And it was really hard for a day or two. <laughs> it caused internal difficulties. Yeah. But. And the but, the, the, it, it's important that there is a but. 
And I think there's always a but in a situation like this. You took the courageous action that was necessary for you to hold and communicate with love a boundary that set out what was healthy for you, what you could offer and what you could not offer. And my response to that with encouragement and support from other people who were also supporting me led me to realize that I needed to look in some new places for more options, that the plan that I had been pursuing, which was designed to fix the situation, but had not yet fixed the situation, was not doing it in the meantime, and I needed to find a new approach, even if I didn't know what that was. And so that was a kick in the pants, which of course smarts, but without it, you don't look around in a new way. It's like the ow, and you turn around to look in new directions to see what's going on. And that's when you can see some things you hadn't before, or you get super creative. And I had to get super creative, but that's what led me to finding another, a couple, an elderly a couple of elderly women who had a big house and they had space and it gave them delight to let me come and occupy a room for a while while I got my legs under me. I would never <laughs> have found that if you had not been that courageous to set that boundary with me. And, yeah. and it was, I was really clear at the time. It wasn't about you being right and me being wrong or the other way around. It wasn't about right and wrong. No, it was about what I knew I could handle yeah and wanting to protect the the friendship yeah absolutely and i which i I saw as a long-term thing yeah and it has proven to be (laughs) yeah 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 maybe it wouldn't have if you hadn't had the courage to speak up or if i had just bulldozed my way through or leveraged shame on you somehow to say no i still need this you need to provide it if you don't provide it i'm lost i could have responded that way yeah that would have been a death knell probably for our our friendship well, but it also it was a it opened the door to be able to talk about how long, right? Yeah. Because yeah. that that had been going on, although we hadn't known one another for very long. It had been going on for a little while, and we don't know. We never know what the time frames are going to be on things. But to be able to talk about it is is really important. To have the language, to have the permission to talk about it, um, I think is is super valuable. And the other thing is, especially around need, is that, like, I remember from an example out of my life, I um, ended a relationship or a relationship was ended on me. I ended up having, I was splitting up with the person I, with whom I had been living. And it was an emotional, really emotionally, really stressful time. And I was living in a country that was not where I had all my supports in place. So I had no family to fall back on. I had, um, I was, I was having to rely on the kindness of almost strangers. Mm-hmm. And, and I began to realize that it wasn't fair for me to expect that one person could take the entire brunt of what I needed at that time. Mm-hmm. And I had been provided with a, a, a model um, when I was studying to be a psychotherapist, and that model was, and I still use it to this day, was to have a group of seven people who each take a different day of the week. 
and they're available to be at your support mm-hmm. one day a week. Mm-hmm. Because what, what one person can't handle seven days a week, seven people can handle one day a week. Yeah, very true. And then when they're there for you, they're really there for you. Yeah. And they know that they're not carrying it all alone because it can be really tiring and stressful to handle somebody else's stress secondhand. Yeah. And, and so if, if I know that, for instance, if I'm the support person, because I was, I was approached to do this with, with a guy who was suicidal. Mm-hmm. And his primary therapist came to a group of therapists and said, and we were just finishing off our psychotherapy training at that point. Mm-hmm. And this person said to us, I have a client who is suicidal. I have approached him and said, would he be willing to entertain the idea of having seven people support him for over, over a summer? So what we were looking at about two, three months. Um, if, if I introduced all of you to him and, and it felt okay to you and to him, would this, would this work? And he said, yes. So I'm coming to you as one of the people that I think can handle this and has the skills to handle this. Would you be willing to take one day a week? And that this is just entertaining the idea. So we, so we went to a meeting and all, all seven of us met this guy and we all agreed to be part of it. And we took a steady day of the week. So uh, on our day, we checked in with the person who had been on board the day before. And then we handed over to the person who was going to be the next day. Mm-hmm. And the deal was that we would spend half an hour with this person. We would check in with this guy for half an hour. And then that meant he didn't have to reach out. Right. We reached to him. Right. Which is really and, important when you're in a mental space yeah. like that, because the reaching yeah. out is that costs yeah. Yeah. a lot. Yeah. And he believed and like when you often, when you get to that stage in your life, you don't have any supports anymore because you don't have the time, the energy, the wherewithal, the belief in yourself to think that you're even worth having supports. Yeah. So we widened his network sevenfold yeah. over a period of three months so that he could get his feet back underneath him. And he was continuing to see his therapist all the time. So it's not like we weren't, our job wasn't to provide therapy. Our job was to be there. Yeah. To listen each day. That's brilliant. To reach out and make contact, right? So I've taken that idea and used it a couple of times since then. Um, First, I used it for myself. And then a couple more times, I used it with people I knew who needed to have support. Um, And then it's finite, right? You can say, we're going to do this for X number of months, and then we will review the situation. Yeah. And it gives everybody the chance to give and receive permission. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I don't know that we have to do it in a formal model like that, but what it, but what it does for us is it, it gives us a possibility of another way of doing things when we're feeling isolated and like our whole life is out of control. That reminds me of the group that I started for a number of people who had approached me. Yeah. 
within, it was like just a span of a few weeks that I had a number of different acquaintances. They didn't even know each other who all approached yeah. me. None of them had the money to be able to pay for coaching, but they all needed that kind of intervention. So they all were like, Hey, let's have a coffee or let's go for a walk. And I discovered that this was not really a coffee or a walk that they were looking for some free yeah. support and they needed it, you know, the, yeah. the, and they needed it. Yeah. And they knew that I was a, a good source for it, but that was not sustainable for me. It was really quickly that I realized I can't, I'm not going to be able to, there's so many people that are trying to pull me in this way. This is not going to work. What if I brought them all together, even though they don't know each other, let's, let's address the fact that everybody's sort of on an edge and facing massive transition and not feeling like they have the resources to do it. And so we created a group together that was explicitly for support and we made some ground rules. You gave them some skills, right? We did do some skills training and, but they were, everybody was also engaged with something that was teaching them something along the way. So it gave a place for them to talk through what they were learning, learn from each other. We set ground rules, which acknowledged that all of us were really limited with energy and resources to support each other. And that nobody was expected or required to support someone else just because somebody demanded it, that we, that we honored each other's need for space, but that we, had a place where we could come to say, Hey, I need some help. And then whoever was available, whoever had the energy could contribute. And it really did make a big difference for a long time. And and then you were being a support to the group as opposed to being a support to every single person in the group. Yeah. It was so they were learning to reach out and ask for help and, and accept it. But they also had the, the the additional self-esteem building of being a support to other people. So a feeling like they were valuable in some way. Yeah. Which I think was really important. So for anybody who's joining us right now, Rebecca and I are talking about um, using feeling used or using other people and when, and not, not just in the negative sense, but when is it, when it is, is it necessary, useful, important? And when, when or have we overstepped the bounds? How do we know we've overstepped the bounds? So we're exploring this deep and wide um, today from our own experiences. And I'm just thinking maybe it's time for our first it for is first song. waiting here for us. So well, the first song that I've chosen for today, it's so apropos, it's Lean On Me by <laughs> Bill Withers. So let's take a listen to, uh, so this is in the positive place, recognizing that we are interconnected, that we are stronger together, and that there are times when we need to lean on each other and that we can hold each other up. And it's not just one-to-one, that we can do this in a way that's coordinated, that's shared amongst the community and that this may be the healthier way to support each other and to be supported when we need support. So Lean On Me by Bill Withers. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Sometimes in our lives We all have pain We all have sorrow But Tomorrow 
Back to Essential Conversations. I'm Rebecca with my co-host Luca. We are talking about huh, all things to do with you could you could even call it transactional dynamics in relationships, right? Giving, taking, sometimes yeah. feeling used, or sometimes feeling like you're leaning too hard. And how does what do we do with all of that? Um, another aspect I could bring in. I've been and I like really like that idea of sorry I interrupted you oh that's all right go ahead Luca well I'm just thinking about how do I know if I've leaned too hard if 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 I know that I'm leaning on you and you feel you have permission to say that's enough and I know you'll take care of yourself then I can feel better Um, I'm not so stressed out about when I am leaning on you so I need to know that you can take care of yourself. Right. And that I, and that we've negotiated it, that there's a place that there's, that you'll give me a sign or a signal 
if yeah. if you can't handle it. And if we've if we've set that up ahead of time, then that it's almost like we need a script for setting that up. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. To, so that to, in any friendship, in any relationship, marriages, especially right. Yeah. Or between parents and children. I mean, my mother's going through this right now. She's elderly. She's got COVID long-term. She has some chronic health conditions and she's also, there was a fire in her building. And, and so she was out of her home for 18 months. It's coming up on two years. Now she is stressed out and and a lot of her friends and community have died. She's yeah. she's elderly. Yeah. And so I've I have to I have to be able to take care of um for her comfort. She needs to know that when I'm overwhelmed, I will tell her. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise she's left guessing. Is this too much? Yeah. Um, you know, I really have a need here. But can I ask? And sometimes what she does is she doesn't ask when she should. Mm. And, and there are other times when there's I've reached a limit. And fortunately, I'm strong enough to be able to say and have enough skills to be able to say, okay, I've reached my limit for today. Yeah, yeah, I need to call. Um, yeah. Let's let's talk about that one again tomorrow. But but that's a so that's between generations, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it can be in our own family. It can be with our significant other, you know, it can be with in a, in a working relationship it can be, be between colleagues. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be, if you're um, for instance, when you were working with big brothers, big sisters, that it can be between somebody who's a big brother and the little brother or the big sister and the little sister, right? These are skills that we can apply in lots of different places, but we, we almost need this little, a little model for how do we do it? I agreed. And as for the model, there's one limitation that's coming to mind because I feel I had a relationship, a friendship where this was a topic of conversation on the daily or the weekly. It was a very frequent check-ins because basically um, the other party, their needs were always going to be greater than I could fulfill Um, Both of us knew that. And it was a matter of, I knew that the onus was on me to hold that boundary. And I did the best that I could to communicate it on a daily and weekly basis. And yet I found that over the period of, of years, but then a really intensive six months, that what I was perceiving as my, what I could give was not true to my experience. And I still burned myself out. And that was a really unfortunate situation where we sought, both parties sought to establish consent and healthy, healthy exchange. But in the end, maybe some grace and compassion needs to be there both from for myself and and for the other person all, all around where this is none of these things exist in a vacuum. This is not the only relationship. In, in my life or in their life and all of the other pulls and dynamics that are happening in my life can be changing. And also perhaps the capacity, not because of the cost or other play uh, outside of us, but just even uh, if I'm going through pain, if I'm going through financial difficulties, these things are not about relationships giving or taking, but they're definitely things that impact our resource ability. And yes, yes, 
and nothing static. So we can make an agreement to begin with. And we have to keep coming back and revisiting it. Yeah. How are you feeling today? You know? Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, for myself, it actually reached a point where I just needed to pull all the way back, which is unfortunate. Um, And I'm still kind of recovering from that in in a number of ways, because in the end, it wasn't just one element. It was it was a pattern that I had created for myself. And I was looking at that recently about how many of the primary primary meaning they occupy the most amount of time and physical contact in my life relationships have a bit of a skewed dynamic where I am providing um, the resourcing or the support as they're transitioning, or you could call it leveling up in their life, whatever it means, personal development and not necessarily a whole lot the other way but again it's with consent and there's a strong friendship that is running through it and so that is very real there is a very true witnessing of each other and valuing of each other but there's a lot of my relationships that are like that and I it was just really interesting for me to kind of clue into that and to, to make a bit of a, a, do a bit of a self-assessment and to think, well, why is that, Rebecca? Why do you have so many relationships like that? And I think some of it is my personality. Some of it is my character. Some of it is my values and my ethics. And some of it is how I've been bred, you could say. Yeah. Growing up in a cult where I was basically trained to be a resource to support and help others at the cost to my own self was irrelevant. And then growing up in a society where women are expected to do the emotional labor and to be taking care of the things behind the scenes. All of these things have combined together to make me be an incredibly helpful resource for people. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that I know I have dealt with at different times in my life is this idea of, um, it comes from that, the old, that old saying, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Yeah. And sometimes what it would show up for me with a great big um, uh, spotlight is that I was trying to provide for other people what I needed. Yeah. And I wasn't good at asking for it for myself. Yeah. So, but, but, and that is one of the clues, right? If you've got a lot of people in your life who are all needing of you, then do you need them to need you? And I'm not talking about you in particular. I'm talking about does one need these people to need you in order to feel like you're getting your needs met? And, and if you're not helping them, then, then what happens? It, like, is there, was there for me this, this deep well in myself? And a lot of people become counselors for that reason, right? There, it's like, I'm going to be there for you because nobody was there for me. I'm going to do it for you. Don't you worry. I'll show you there are people out there who will be there for you. Yeah. And, and it's, and, and I think it's very rarely just that because I think that life isn't that neat and tidy. I think that it's, it's a little, it's like a recipe, you know, we had a teaspoon of this and a yeah. tablespoon of that and two eggs and, a, and then you beat it, right? <laughs> um, so so the, it gives us, as you said, with this situation that you've just looked at, you had the opportunity to pause mm-hmm. and to say, oh, hmm, that's a pattern. That looks like a pattern. Um, I wonder what that's about. 
Um, and, and I think that we all have this opportunity to pause for reflection. And that's also a place where we can reach out to other people and say, do you think I've done this? Have You've known me for a long time. You've, you've watched me go through a lot of things. What are you noticing? And to at, when you ask the question, you're prepared to get an answer. Mm-hmm. And also it gives the other person permission to share something that maybe they've been observing, but they didn't know if you were ready to hear it or not. Yeah, very true. Right? So this is, we're, we're negotiating all the time. And, and I remember when I learned about this, when I first started the, um, the, the psychotherapy course that I took, this idea that I could metacommunicate about what was going on, that I could talk about the fact that I was feeling angry without spewing anger all over the other person. Right. That was a revelation to me at that time. Yeah. You wouldn't think it would be, but it, <laughs> it, I mean, once you figured it out, it's, it looks self-evident, but it wasn't. I, I remember thinking, oh my God, this opens up the world. Now, I, I can, you mean I can be angry and talk about it without, <laughs> without, you know, having a, a raging hissy fit <laughs> or that I could go out into the woods and, and take a, a stick and whack a log and get that anger out right. without directing it at anybody. Yeah. Because once you've learned that you think, well, yeah, of course, but before you've learned it, you and you might have grown up in a family who didn't know that and, and where anger was always directed at someone else or was always shut down so right. that it couldn't be expressed anywhere. Yeah. So we learn as we go along, right? Absolutely. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah. So personally for myself this awareness was so helpful just to have as an awareness yeah I'm not needing to take direct action on it I did also take some time to to assess so what are are there relationships present Rebecca where where it doesn't feel like that where maybe it's a little bit more of an equal give and take and the the funny part or the ironic part, or maybe it's the perfectly makes sense part is that those relationships, I don't spend tons of time with those people because we're not needy of each other. Everybody's got their shit. shit. Oh, I'm not supposed to say that. Everybody's got their stuff (laughs) sorted out and and they're, they're resourcing themselves from multiple people and processing their things in whatever ways they do. But they are available to me and I can, you're one of them, Luca, right? I can reach out to you if yeah. I'm in a, in a heavy state. Yeah, and vice versa. Yeah. 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 And, um, and it was just an interesting thought experiment to me to see. So what if I chose to put a little bit more time and effort into those friendships um, and to just say yes to those a little bit more. What might that do for me? And I don't have an answer to what that will do for me, but it's a curiosity. No. It's a curiosity that I'm lifting up now to the universe. Because- I think about that in terms of families that, that, you know, if you've got three kids and one of them is really self-sufficient and mostly can work out their own problems um, and is helpful to the family unit. They, 
probably don't get as much of your time as the child that's needy and has health issues and maybe is the youngest and doesn't feel quite as empowered as the others. And, and so occasionally I think it's a good idea to stop and think, okay, maybe I need to spend a little bit more time with the child that isn't demanding it. That is such a good example. For both of us, like for the parent can enjoy it also, because yeah. I think we tend to put our energy where, where the screaming's the loudest. <laughs> if you, I mean, I'm not literal screaming necessarily, although sometimes, right? But yeah, especially but I think yes. that, you know, sometimes as a, as a friend, um, I, there have been some friendships in my life where I know that there the that that my friend had other friends with whom they spent a lot more time not because they didn't like or appreciate me but because those friends needed more. Yeah. And so I was left and I and I often get this um in terms of people who are uh partnered right. in their lives and and have families, right? I know that those relationships require time and energy and that that is the sort of the inner circle for that, for that friend. And, and I'm on the outside of that, right? So you, you get used to it. Yeah, that phrasing bothers me so much. I think I, I understand exactly what you're saying. I'm definitely um, thinking about uh, relationship anarchy, which has an approach to all of the different relationships in our life and it it it, it, in a bit like an equalizer kind of fashion where it's valuing as precious things the unique aspects in which each relationship shows up rather than like ranking like a hierarchy um and i think having been in a marriage that was 12 years before we broke up and that marriage, which I think it's a very common thing in marriages where a partner or both partners, just as we've been describing happens with friendships sometimes where they may only lean on their spouse and yeah. not cultivate the relationships outside of that, that can help to bring a balance and not require so much. Actually, I just read an article the other day that was about COVID and how relationships that had been long-term were suddenly, they became the only resource for each other and how difficult that's been for some relationships. And so this is something to consider even within a a primary relationship, husband-wife relationship, a whatever, you know, and, but then also to consider what are the other relationships that we have and they need to be nurtured. They need to have priority as well. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not in a family unit like that, like I'm not, every once in a while, I have to remind myself to say, Oi, (laughs) I need, I need some care and nurturing and feeding over here. Absolutely. Not not because I'm broken, but because like, let's, let's go do something together. Right. Yes. And good Um, for you to speak up about that because too many times that hierarchy. Yeah. Anyways, we've got another song and it feels like 
Like, let's let's add that in here. So I my second song for today is actually meant to be reflecting of the spaciousness. We're in spring. It's full on here in Vancouver. It's feeling so good to just kind of reconnect with the world outside, even though we're still very much disconnected due to the um, restrictions that we're still under right now. But it makes me think of these positive choices that we make for ourselves as well. When we're choosing and we're in a space of consent, we are boundaried but generous. We are, we are nurturing ourselves as much as we may be nurturing others. It can give a fresh feeling. So that's the name of the next song, Fresh Feeling by the Eels. Essential Conversations, that was 
Fresh Feeling by the Eels. You're listening to Rebecca and Luca. We're talking about relationships, giving and taking. How do we hold boundaries? How do we be proactive in making sure we've got a nice, healthy web for ourselves or to facilitate that for other people who may be uh, needing more support? I mean, this is something that we all go through. I mean, this was really this point that I came to the other night with this rude awakening from this message from a former, a good longtime friend, where it was like, you know, sometimes we are in need. Sometimes we are the one that, that needs to receive. And it's an uncomfortable place to go to. Because if we've ever been in the other side and have thought grumbly thoughts about how hard it is to take care of this person, then when we're in that place, it's a very vulnerable feeling place. But that's because we've loaded it all up with shame that that somehow needing to lean on someone is not an ideal place. It's so it feels so much more stronger to be the one with the extra that you can be giving, right? It reminds me of how for you know, it's more of an old fashioned ideal. I maybe, I don't know the whole idea of, I won't accept charity from anyone because somehow accepting charity is, is saying lesser. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But that's, it's a bit ridiculous. That's well, that comes from a, a society that's centered around independence is the ideal. And I'm sorry, but independence is only one rung on the ladder and it's only one step higher than dependence. And there are more rungs to go. We've got interdependence and symbiosis and all these kinds of things. And and it's like dancing, right? We dance in and out of it. I can be really independent and sometimes in my life or in some areas of my life and be more dependent, more in need of help, um, resources, uh, advice, um, in other areas of my life. And for, and sometimes for, for temper, it's temporary, maybe it's a year, maybe it's a week, but, yeah. but it's not all of who I am. Yeah. 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 Well, what do you think we should do? Like, what's our, what's the takeaway? What, what do you think you're reminded of through this conversation? The, uh, the interconnectedness of the, of the web of, of our communities um, and uh, the importance of being able to um, talk about, speak about how we're feeling and to ask, um, can you support me right now? Uh, will you support me right now? How long do you feel you can do this for? How, how often do you need me to check in with you? Um, and th- from the other side as well, because sometimes if I'm in need, I can't ask for that. So, so to be able to say to somebody, I can help you for this much time, um, and then I need to check in with you, or uh, I don't want you to feel like you're always in the p- position of needing from me. So you tell me when you've, when you've got enough, and I, so I can turn it off. But that, right. that having the conversations, I think, about yeah. it, those meta-conversations, um, and, and understanding that we are not just our neediness at any given time. Oh, yeah. Great point. Yeah. And right? I think there needs to be an element of ref- refusing shame, refusing yeah. to allow yeah. it, refusing to feel it for myself, refusing to yeah. allow it to be put upon me. Because yeah. with that message from my friend, there was some interactions where there were very clear consented um, exchanges that were designed to support someone else. 
And that is not shameful. I re- absolutely refuse. Even if somebody was to look back on that now and to say, well, I wish I hadn't done that. Well, okay. But you said yes to that. And that was in full consent and with full information. Yeah. I'm not going to feel shame for having no. asked for help and then received what you felt you could offer. That was shame is one of the most uncomfortable emotions out there. Yeah. Yeah. And there, and there isn't really anywhere to go with it. Yeah. It's shame, shame, guilt, worry. Those are some of those feelings that don't, they don't improve with age. They, <laughs> they don't lead us anywhere. They are self-destructive and twist they twist the energy twists back in on itself so we want to be able to move that off the table and I think sometimes we need other people to help us to reframe it so that we're not feeling that and there is there is an element and I say this because I've I've needed to to choose it myself there's an element of choosing not to allow it no I refuse I refuse to take that on that is that is a manipulative dynamic whether the other person is asking for it or not, or it's just something that I remember and I've inherited from other interactions with the world. No, I refuse to take that on. I am worthy of supporting. I am worthy of asking for support. I can't require you to support me. That's not appropriate, but I can ask. And if I don't get a yes here, I'm allowed to keep asking because I am allowed to receive support. And that Allowance comes just by virtue of being a human being that was born onto this world. We are allowed. You have been imbued with the right to be supported. You're here. You therefore are worthy. You are worthy. Yeah. Yes. And you have a responsibility to listen to the feedback that comes from the other end. If somebody is exhausted, then, then they have the right to say that. And if we're providing support for other people, we have to take that. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, with that in mind, next time. yes, I wonder what's around the corner. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halix, Power Sorcerer, and Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahalix.com. I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Yep, yep, yep. yep, yep. yep. Oh, 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 oh. Happy, 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 boing, 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 bo